turn it up to 10. Sort of like a bad habit, we gon' do it again. Ready or not, we're gonna tie up some ends. Go tell a 36, try to grab other friends. We're back like we never left. On track like a treble clef. Skip a beat on the seventh rest. Bring feast, we don't pass them over. We got the first fruits, no way to show us. This yoke is easy, this burn's light. Even with a loud mouth, trying to eat at the mic. Even if we down south, the humidity spike. Bales torn in two, so we gon' be all right. It's all grace till the half goes off. Heretics better run till the top blows off. Got them all stood still like a job full of Botox. Time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop. Don't stop, they're in need of it though. Through grace, by faith, they could easily grow. New wave, new age, new way to see bro. Now one truth, life, one way to his throne. alone that's faith alone our glory to god because that's his alone since the land's been slain we can each belong the lord is my strength my peace and my song it i'll lay it all down at the feet of his throne so relax got a still in control he knows every care every fear that you hold he knows every hair every need for your soul nothing new around here this story's been told bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters it's all grace till the half goes off heretics better run till the top blows off got them all stood still like a jaw full of botox time to break them down like a jaw on a blow pop don't stop they're in need of it though through grace by faith they could easily grow new wave new age new way to see bro now one truth life one way to his throne bet you feel weak and your life is in tatters with bruised feet your body is battered you can't reach trying to climb up that ladder sit back and hold fast to messiah matters It is Wednesday, July 26th, 2023. This is Messiah Matters number 437. We hope it's better late than never. My name is Caleb Haig. Agreed. Better late than never. I'm Rob Van Huff. You know, I just realized that uh, among our tech problems, one of the things that we got going on is that you're much smaller than me right now. I'm going to fix this real quick. How you been, Rob? I can get closer. <laughs> you know, it's quite all right oh there you Let's go see. you just shrunk. Is that better i just shrunk there it is all right better all it right. reminds me of that steve martin bit in the 70s where he got small <laughs> and he's like so i was driving the car <laughs> he's like this nice the cop okay. pulls me over and says are you small and he's like no officer and he's like and they have a test where they put a little balloon down and if you can get inside the balloon <laughs> then you're small you know, Sorry. Steve Martin is quite is quite the banjo player. My old, hit, yes, oh god, yeah. My, his my his new his new song older is older brother had a, like all these Steve Martin records, <laughs> like vinyl. We're talking like thirty. You are dating yourself, sir. All right, so I'd sit there and look at the pictures and listen to the comedy routine. Nice. That was before it, the internet, Caleb. I don't know if you. I know. I, I believe it or point. not, I was alive before the internet came around too. Uh, it's been an interesting morning. I'm sorry that we're getting uh, started so late, but, you know, it kind of is what it is. Uh, we had some technical issues. Uh, we hope that uh, they will not persist. However, I will say this. We've had rolling blackouts uh, from the Internet, of the Internet, uh, this morning. And so our Internet has been on and off all morning long. The Internet so. has been outernet. Yeah, yeah. you you never know what's going to happen on this show. All right, let's, uh, let's get rolling ourselves. 
let's do that. Let me uh, clean some stuff up here. All right. So uh, first and foremost, chegatoryresource.com, C-H-E-G-G-A-T-O-R-E-S-O-R-C-E-S-O-R-C-E-S-O-R-C-E-S-O-R-C-E-S-O-R-C-E-S-O-R-C-E-S-O-R-C-E-S-O-R-C-E-
just for my own pleasure. Why do you hate the Rob and Caleb show? Honestly, I think they're vain, stupid, and incredibly self-centered. Okay, and we have uh, a question already. The Pronomian Perspective says, did you find out the title and author of the book concerning pronomianism? I don't think I'd call it pronomianism necessarily. Uh, well, maybe, I, I, maybe, maybe a aspect, yeah. Light, pronomian light. It's actually on the Sabbath observance, observance by the Catholic Church. Uh, the Celtic Church, rather, not the Catholic, the Celtic Church. Did I find the author and book title? Yes, I did. And what this proves is that the pronomian perspective is not signed up for show notes, which you can go sign up for uh, on messiahmatters.com. However, if you're looking for the uh, title and the author of that book and a link to it on Amazon, you can go into uh, messiahmatters.com, then go to the hover over show, go down to show notes. It is in the show notes for four, three, Six. Okay, let's jump in. I think we've dilly-dallied enough, and uh, we're going to jump right into some topics here. Okay, so um, last week we had what turned out to be a fairly good show, at least I've been told that by many people, and uh, I appreciate that kind of feedback. That means that this show will probably be Three awful. out of four listeners. Three yeah. out of the four listeners liked yeah. it. <laughs> Three out of the 34. Um, 36. Um, so... Uh, Basically, if you did not watch our show, 436, you, uh, which was Israel versus the Church, I believe it was titled, you should go back and watch that. We, what, what we do is we attempt to lay out why uh, we believe that the idea of two separate entities, that is the Church versus Israel, is the wrong concept. Really what Israel is, uh, now there's, the Bible does this often with, with many words. Uh, circumcision would be a, a great uh, example of this. We'll talk more about that. But the Bible oftentimes will take a, a word and, and it uses it like languages do, and it has multiple meanings. And so Israel is a perfect example of this in the Bible. Uh, Israel can be a, a reference to the physical descendants of Jacob. Israel can be a reference to the remnant people of God, and that includes Gentiles who are grafted into that remnant. That is saving faith remnant uh, Israel. Uh, and, and that's ultimately what we're talking about here. We're talking about the notion that Israel, um, as we see it, that is saving faith Israel, the, the people of God, there, there's a remnant of the people of, of Israel that are ethnic Jews or ethnic Israel that uh, are a remnant and believe in Christ and, and have saving faith in what we would consider to be the new covenant. This has been for all time. It is not just uh, at the death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. It's before as well. So David was part of the new covenant, Moses was part of the new covenant, so on and so forth. Um, and then, to boot, if you are a Gentile who becomes uh, a covenant member through faith in Christ, you are then what? What we are suggesting, at least what I'm suggesting, I'll let Rob speak for himself, but what I am suggesting and what my father has suggested is that this, uh, these Gentiles who come to faith are actually added to this remnant. And my father has titled this Enlargement theology. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. I think he's right. And uh, there's. And it's just. There's... It's just a shorthand for the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Exactly. And you, all the nations of the world, will be blessed. That there's a unity in that blessing. There's a shared blessing, and Paul likens it to a tree. In Romans eleven. So, um... but on that note too, like if you look at, you know, it, in the book of Numbers, we see the twelve spies. And you see Joshua and Caleb are faithful to God, but the other 10 spies have an evil report. Would you say, oh, well, Joshua and Caleb are the church, but the 10 spies are Israel? I, no, so, they're, they're all yeah. Israel. Right, they're, yes. Just because great the 10 point. spies are have an evil report doesn't mean they're no longer Israel. This is a great and, point. And just because Joshua and Caleb have genuine faith in God doesn't mean they're no longer Israel. And I'm I'm of the opinion that Caleb is a Gentile. I agree with you. 
Yeah, I'm with so you. So it's a snapshot. It's, I, of, so it's Moses' just, wife. And there's other instances, right? But this is one. So is Mo, so Moses' wife. The, the, this is a really interesting point. And the reason why is because God takes Israel, the nation of Israel, this is another way that the word Israel is used, right, as a nation. So the, the nation of Israel comes out of Egypt, right? God gives them the Torah. They're baptized. And notice that Paul in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3 doesn't say that they were baptized. He says that just that they were baptized, but rather that they were baptized not into God or not into God's covenant or not into... No, no, no. They're baptized into Moses. I think this is this is a key point here. That anyway, might be First Corinthians ten, but that that's it's in Corinthians something. Fair enough. Anyway, I'm uh, okay. Fair that's enough. Right. Um, so then, what happens? They come to the land. Now, this is the point, right? Abraham has been being given the new covenant, or the, I'm sorry, Abraham has been given the Abrahamic covenant and the promise of this land. And a promise that his dynasty, that his descendants are going to inherit this land. God takes his people, the people out of Egypt. He brings them to the land. He's going to give them the land. And what happens? They say no. So then the question is, is are they not in covenant relationship with God? God says, all right, fine. You're not going to be, you don't want the covenant. I'm going to make you wander. Now, he does give the covenant to several people, right? Joshua and Caleb are allowed to enter the, the, the promised land. So then the, the, I think the natural question, at least the natural question for me is, well, what about you that generation? The, they get the blessings of the covenant. Right. The, the, peop, the, the Israelites that died in their sin in the wilderness were not, they were still in the covenant, right? I mean, they, they were, but they They're were experiencing the consequences of sin, which is sure. still within the covenant. The question that the question that ultimately comes down is: Are they in the new covenant? You know, can, can a person be in in the new covenant and reject? No, right, because the new covenant is only blessing. Right, the new covenant is only blessing, and it's a final condemnation of uh, uh, of the others. But to be to be a participant or a beneficiary of the new covenant is to, it means you are in Christ. It means you are grafted in. It means you participate in the blessings of the Abrahamic promise. This has been rabbit trails with Rob and Caleb. Let's get back to where we were supposed hey, to be. Hey, there's another show idea. I know, to, right? Okay. okay, here we go. Prairie Girl 89 writes in. This is on our last show. She says, while I can appreciate your enthusiasm, oh, I can't wait for this. While I can appreciate <laughs> your enthusiasm, the part I believe you're missing is an understanding like Larry of the- David. Sorry, keep going. Uh, no, no, it's good. The part I believe you're missing is an understanding of the purpose of the Torah and how Jesus fulfilled it. Ah, uh, so I, for- Thank you to Prairie Girl eighty nine, by the way. And the reason, first and foremost, and the reason why is because is that your real name? <laughs> yes, no, okay, okay. that's her Christian name. Okay, so the, the, two two weeks ago in four three five, we talked about how the covenant, how Christians are in the covenant, right? And then last week, we answered the question that so often comes from those who hold to a mainstream Christian uh, perspective on the covenants, which is, well, the covenants were given to Israel, not to me, right? This is, this is the show last week. In fact, if you look at my show notes from last week, all it says is, talk about covenants, Jeremiah 31. That's it. That's all I had, okay? So, that's what we did. We talked about the covenants in relationship to the church, quote unquote, the church, which we suggested, obviously, there's no such thing as the church necessarily. It's really just Israel, right? We are added to Israel in large. So now Prairie Girl 89 brings up the next question or the next objection. It's right in line. It goes right in line. She brings up the next objection that almost everybody who holds to a standard view of the covenants and of the church does in this argument. And that is, well, okay, but Jesus fulfilled the Torah. So, I mean, my father wrote a great paper on what it means to fulfill. But ultimately, the question that I would have is, what does it mean to fulfill? It means makes complete. So you're telling me that you have something that's incomplete. Once it becomes complete, it's no longer good. 
It's no longer, then we throw it away. What does it mean that it's complete? To, to this, I believe, and this is going to sound really harsh. Once I love my neighbor one time, am I done? Is it fulfilled? And I don't have to. Exactly. Oh, no, I, Oh, I already did that. I did that to my former neighbor. You, however, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's another deal. So, so I mean, think of think of a house. You know, let's have a house built for us. Great. I have this perfect house in mind. It's the exact blueprint I've always wanted. Great. Oh man, I'm loving it. They're building it. They're building it. They're building it. Boom! It's fulfilled. It's complete. Oh, burn it down. No, of course not. You then use it. The, uh, you mean you're not no- going to live in it? I know. It, 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 this is such a. Uh, I, this is going to sound really harsh. Such a view comes from a, a two thousand years of Christian propaganda. The notion, and the the worst part is this: I can guarantee that Prairie Girl eighty nine does not actually believe what she's saying. So since Christ has fulfilled the Torah, and he ha- he is the fulfillment of the Torah. Okay, which I totally agree with. Since he has fulfilled the Torah, I can now cheat on my wife. Adultery's fine. Murder, not a problem. I get I get ticked at my next door neighbor, just kill him, right? Uh, lying, cheating, stealing, fine. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled all that, right? So now we don't have to keep it. No, th- this is not the argument. The argument is. All of the Torah that Jesus fulfilled, we keep, except for circumcision, Sabbath, kosher laws, and festivals. That's it. Everything else we keep, those four we throw out. So explain to me, you explain to me. Explain to me how it is that Jesus fulfills the Torah, and we're supposed to keep all of it except for four things. Maybe five if you throw in something like tzitzit. And then what? We got... We got Isaiah 56 that talks about Gentiles keeping the Sabbath and the kosher laws once the Messiah comes. So what, this is just a, a interim period where the where believers in Christ don't have to do that, but they're going to do it later? Explain that to me. Ridiculous. Let's keep going with her comment. There's no contradiction in saying that... This is great, by the way. because This is great. <laughs> There is no contradiction in saying the Torah is forever, and yet believers in the New Covenant are not required to keep it. That is a complete contradiction. That is exactly what it is. When God says these commandments are forever, when he says well, unless, this is, Unless your definition of Torah is that it's not obligatory. Right. Right? It's like, it, it, how can you say, you must, be, you must think that the Torah, oh, it's, it, there's no obligatory... Uh, Show, communication uh, what, in the Torah. Once again, Prairie Girl 89, you need to show me where, what commands are given in the new covenant. A covenant comes with stipulations. It comes with blessings. It comes with all these things. And he says that the Torah, the law, will be written on your heart. So which law is it? You're saying it's not the Torah. It's not the, the law of Moses. Show me what law it is. Now, I've heard Christian teachers say before, it's the law of Christ. Show me what that is. You show me what the law of Christ is. And what about the things that are missing out of the, the covenant, uh, the, the new covenant, like passages? Let's say new, the New Testament is where, where, we're, where we're getting the law of Christ. So cross-dressing is okay. Now, we're opening the door right now for, for the transgender movement to, to just run with this. If cross-dressing is okay, because Christ doesn't reiterate this, right? Cross-dressing is okay. So what problem do we have with, in fact, the, the command that, that or the, the uh, statement that God made them in his, in his image, male and female, he made them, is in the Torah. So that's got to be done away with too. So show me in the New Testament where these commands are. Show me where bestiality now is is not okay. And, and of course, these kind of arguments will bring people to say, well, what's actually happening is the civil ceremonial aspects of the Torah have been done away with the moral laws. We call, this is what we call moving the goalpost. Exactly. <laughs> Every time it's like, no, well, okay, well, we'll just move the goalpost over here. Okay, we're going to move it more. And it's like, well, have you really built on the rock? If, if you have to keep, changing the terms of the discussion right 
when confronted with scripture, then you're probably needing to go check the foundations of your theology. Well, do do you remember when when uh, Durbin was was responding to stuff that we had said, and Durbin said, uh, you know, his, his co-host said, well, they said that the, that uh, the the Torah is not broken up into civil, ceremonial, and moral, and I just turned it off. Why? Why would they just turn it off there? Well, it's because they, they because they don't have an argument. If if all of a sudden they start being honest with the fact that the Torah can't be broken up into civil, ceremonial, moral, and why is that? Because any offense against God and His holiness is a moral issue. And here's the other thing, Micah, or no, I'm sorry, Malachi says that God doesn't change. What does that mean? It means that His holiness does not change. The offense of eating unkosher food, which is an abomination to God, right? An abomination to God to put to put pork in your mouth and eat it. How is, if, if God's holiness doesn't change, he says, I am not cha- I do not change, therefore Israel is not consumed. Okay, so if he doesn't change, then how is it that at one point it can be an abomination to his holiness to eat unkosher food, but then another point, it can't be. That would be a change in his holiness, wouldn't it? And so the, the idea that, oh, now we're in the new covenant— this this is I'm sorry. Yeah, you might you might think, oh, okay. Our what does she say? The enthusiasm. Our enthusiasm is 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 high on this. You are sidestepping the issues. Show me the stipulations of the new covenant. Show me the commandments. Show me the law that is written on the heart. Show me what that. Does she, what does she think we're enthusiastic about? The Torah, I it's, guess. I don't know. Which means we're in good company because King David, Psalm 119, it's all about the Torah and how great it is. Think about that. Think about that. I mean, the, the, the mainstream Christian church, the view from the mainstream Christian church is that the Torah has been done away with. What do you do with Psalm 119? Just rip it up, throw it out. That's not good anymore. Now, I know that that's not the case because you have really good teachers like R.C. Sproul, MacArthur, others who are going to say, no, 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 no. you know, we, we, you know, the, the, the Torah is good in some ways. But once again, I, I think this comes back to, so you're, you're going to tell me what, that adultery is fine, homosexuality is fine, bestiality is fine. Why? Because the Torah has been done away with, because God fulfilled it, right? Because Christ fulfilled it. He is the Torah now, and so we don't have to do any of that stuff. This, this is an absolute asinine suggestion. You're trying to wrap up morale, like you're trying to wrap up four commands in all of God's morality. It doesn't work. His standard of morality is the Torah. All right, let's keep going with our comment. There's, so we'll read this part again. There's no contradiction in saying the Torah is forever, and yet believers in the new covenant are not required to keep it. That is exactly what it, it is. It's a contradiction because it was given for a specific purpose and it was fulfilled in God himself, made man forever. I'm not sure what that means. The Torah ha- has its valid and lawful place, but Yahweh is so much bigger than one covenant and one law. It's not an either-or dilemma. It's both and. You're talking out okay. of two sides of your yeah, mouth. Yeah, this is weird. This is so weird. This last one really... Uh, <laughs> that, first of all, the... the God's name Yahweh is it is a let's not get onto it. Well, no, my point is that that's a flag. That this person is really just splashing around in the kiddie pool. Um that but that God is bigger than one covenant and one law. Could you imagine King David saying that or Moses? Or that that is that is such, I don't even have a word to describe how twisted sad. and sad. ignorant that that statement is. It, we know who God is because of the covenant. Right. That's, there, God, God cannot be said to be faithful except for his covenant. God can't it, it, on the human side. On the yep. human, we can't know God's holiness aside from His covenant. We can't know anything. We can't know anything about God except through through covenant. 
So to say, well, God's bigger than the covenant, Caleb. I don't, it's just such a strange thing. Does that mean like God, is she, is she just, or I'm saying prairie girl identifies as a she. She is saying that while well, God created the creation, so he's outside of creation. Is that basically, if that's what you mean, well, that's fine. But why are you saying bigger than? Bigger than is not God's bigger than creation. We would say God is outside if he's not he's the creator, right? But to say he's bigger than one covenant or one law is, is like, this is what I hear. Oh, there's, there's ways to access the blessing of God aside from the Abrahamic covenant, that there's other ways to God, right? If, if God is bigger than one law, Caleb, God's bigger than one covenant. Does that mean, is she saying there's many paths to God? Okay. Are there other ways? Are there other ways to to are there food trucks of blessing that we can go out to the, the, that are independent? Wait, but but the response to that, in my opinion, the response that's coming to that is we are not justified through the Mosaic Covenant, and therefore the Mosaic Covenant we we can take it or, or leave it. And and the point here is simply this. Well, I, but I'll, I would say this: we are justified through the Mosaic Covenant by what Yeshua did. Right. It's Yeshu, you, you, it is the very thing that she's talking about. Yeshua's fulfillment of the Mosaic Covenant means that through the Torah, he fulfilled the blessings. He there was no sin in him. There's no death in him. But his the, the affirmation of his resurrection life is the affirmation of the blessing promised in the Torah. So it's that's why Romans 8:1. Uh, what does it say? You have been for, for the law of the spirit of life in Yeshua has freed you from the sin, the law of sin and death. The law has freed you from the law. We are justified by what Yeshua did through us and what for us and what Yeshua did for us was defined and set up for through the covenant. That's why in Romans 10, he is the telos of the Torah. And actually, you know, one, yeah, one of the things that, that needs to also be said is that all of the covenants are connected. This is why uh, Dr. Walter Kaiser talks about relationship through covenant. In other yeah, words... There is, no, there is no relationship. I mean, imagine like a husband and wife, like, yeah, we have no rules, but yet we're <laughs> married. There's no rules, but we're married. I saw, I saw a... There's a no, there is no yeah. relationship without covenant. You have to have, there's got to be boundaries. There's got to be deal breakers. There's, otherwise it's not, otherwise it's just people treating each other like objects, right? Like there's no genuine relationship between souls unless there are stipulations. Right. Because then without stipulations, there's no value. There's nothing worth, what are you fighting for? What are you defending? What are you holding on to? What are you protecting? What are you putting at front and center on the table? If if there if you have a no rules, then you have nothing. Yeah, I mean the the fact that she ends with it's not an either or dilemma; it's both and. Then then what is the place of the Torah? What is the and Paul tells us what the place of the Torah is. He tells us. That it shows us what sin is, right? I mean, there's there's multiple uh, points of the Torah, but ultimately the Torah is written on the heart in the New Covenant. Believers come to an understanding of what the Torah is when they start to fall in love with God's covenants. Why do we fall in love with God's covenants? It's not because I'm trying to please God. God has already accepted me. I am already in covenant relationship with him. This is why we keep the Torah. This is it's why like we keep the saying, covenant. In my father's house, there's many mansions, right? It's like, you know, I, this is great and all, but I wouldn't want to live here. You know, that's not for me. Uh, I've got this other house plan I'm working on, independent of it. So God, thanks for this, these mansions. Thanks, but I'm good. I'm good. I got one better. 
Yeah, there's too much ceremonial here. <laughs> I I can do without all the ceremony. So too, too thanks, but no thanks. Here. So uh, on the heels yeah. of this, on the, on the heels of this though, is is another comment, which is another two comments, all from the the same uh, person who goes by in this handle. This is a great handle. It goes by the YouTube handle Skippy Dippy Blood. And this is in reference to our conversation on circumcision and whether or not circumcision is still something that is required or that is commanded by God. Uh, and he says, what about, this is the whole comment, by the way. Now, he wrote another comment this morning. And uh, we'll read that one too. But he, the first comment, all he says is, what about Romans 2.29 and Galatians 5.16? Let's read those too. Now, I'm not sure, you know, when you give references like that, I'm not exactly sure what the, the point of, of these references are because when I read these references, I don't think they have anything to do, like there's, this is with not his, a... With what it seems like his argument is, yeah. Yeah, like this is not a, an argument against circum, like being circumcised. Uh, if you listen to our past videos on this, um, so Romans 2.29 says, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. <laughs> Amen. His praise is not from man, but from God. In other words, the point is, is that Paul is once again making the point, if you think that you're being justified by God by the things that you do outwardly, if you think that uh, you know, getting a, a, a check mark by, from the uh, religious sect down the street that you're one of us now because you went through this ritual of conversion, guess what? That doesn't mean anything for your relationship with God. What matters with your relationship with God is the heart. And the, the spirit circumcises the heart. And this is, is what brings us into the, in, into the new covenant with God. So the new covenant. Yeah. And it's, it's like, this is not a new idea. You go back to, was it Deuteronomy 32? Exactly. Moses yep. says, God will circumcise your hearts. It's another idiom for being born from above. It's like exactly. that's what a son, that's what a father is to do to his son, is circumcise his son. And this is another blow to the to the Armenians out there. Is that if God circumcises the hearts of his people and the and the clear biblical picture is that of circumcision, it is what a father does to a son when the son has no choice in the matter. It's the father saying, you're mine, you're part of the covenant. It's, it, it doesn't consult the baby. The father yep. doesn't consult the baby. Completely agree. But ultimately, back to this this passage, this has nothing to do with saying that that uh, circumcision is done away with. Keep, yeah, yeah. The, oh, just, yeah. Just, just don't do that anymore. Yeah. No. This has to do with the fact that if your heart is not right, if you are, if you're coming to to God and you're saying, you know what, I want, I want to be in, I want to be one of God's. Well, I better go down to the local sect of Judaism and and convert according to their standards. Otherwise, I'm not in. The local Th chapter of of the Pharisees of Judea. Yeah. If, if the Elks Club doesn't accept me, then I'm not one of God's chosen people. That sounds ridiculous, but at the same time, it's the exact same thing that's going on in the first the century. Is, are, you looking for, are you looking for approval from God, or are you looking for approval from men? Right. So the second reference that he gives is Galatians 5.16. Now, we read pieces of Galatians 5 recently on the show, um, but this is 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, Okay, so and this so once again, we now we're we're going down the line of of objections to the notion that uh, that the Torah is God's commandments that believers should be keeping, right? And once again, to, to Skippy Dippy Blood, what I would ask is: so now that you walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh, does that mean that you don't have to? You can commit adultery, you can murder, you can steal. No, of course not. The only thing that's going to offend you are four stipulations. So you're you're taking the rest of the Torah and you're throwing out these four things. It, once again, this is this is a propaganda message from that has come from the church and been taught to the to the leaders and just continues to be it's it's continued, right? It's been ingrained into the theology of the church, but it's, it's not biblical. Um, and so what does it mean? So 
right, we had Prairie Girl 89 tell us that, well, God has fulfilled the Torah and we don't have to keep it anymore. And now we get the other argument, which is, well, I, I'm, I live by the Spirit, right? I have the Spirit of God and therefore I don't have to keep the Torah anymore. Okay, what does it mean that we have the Spirit? Paul t- tells us that the law is spiritual, that the law is spiritual. So does that mean that we're supposed to keep the law? He says in Romans 3.31, does faith, which is spiritual, right? Does faith therefore nullify the law? May it never be. Christ tells us that the law will never pass away. But then Skippy Dippy Blood writes in this morning. This is what he says. And I think that this actually expands on his, on his thought and his comment. Uh, He says, do we not believe that Yeshua, that is Jesus, is the Torah? Do we not walk in the Torah if we walk in Christ? Do you think keeping the letter of the law is our witness of Yeshua? Let's talk about that before we go on with his comment. Do we think that the letter of the law, do we not walk in the Torah if we walk in Christ? Do you think keeping the letter of the law is our witness of Yeshua. Well, I think that keeping the covenant is a part of a witness of Yeshua. You know, when when uh, when my friends who are in the world are acting a certain way and I won't, is that a witness of Christ? I think yes. When I am held to a different standard, a standard of morality, is that a witness of Christ? I think yes. And I and I've heard. I mean, this is not. This has nothing to do with with like the the Torah. When believers act according to the way that they they believe Christ wants them to act, is it a witness of Christ? And the answer is going to be, of course it is. Of course it is a witness of Christ, because we are held to a different standard because we serve a great King. Now you can call that something else. But what is the standard that we are keeping? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do good to those who hate you. Guess what? This is Torah. This is the Torah. So no matter what you're, it's it's like you're pitting the Torah against the Torah. Well, if I act like a Christian and I and I'm I'm set apart as different from the rest of the world, as we're commanded to do in the New Testament, right? We're not we're to be in the world but not of the world. So if we act not of the world, but of the covenant, is that a bad thing? No, of course not. That's what we're commanded to do. So my answer to that is yes. I think that keeping the, the Torah... Now, I think that there, I think that there is a, a difference between what we would call keeping Torah and the letter of the law. I think that when people get down to you know the minutia of... Well, I'm not going to turn lights on because on the Sabbath because that's really lighting a fire. You're down into some weeds at this point. You you've missed the point of God of God's covenant. You've missed the point of keeping the the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect. And this is what this is what King David says, the law of the Lord is perfect. So are you telling me that David was wrong, that the scripture was wrong? Do you want to talk on that before we move on? Yeah, we got to be careful where I think it's in second Corinthians three, which is what passage you mentioned earlier is one place where it talks about the letter. It says it, it Paul kind of contrasts the letter versus the spirit and the letter in, and the way I view that is when he's talking about the letter, he's talking about Jewish religious leaders like, you know, Nicodemus before he came to faith, right. Or, or like Paul himself before he was born again, right? They, this Paul, so Paul's speaking from his own his own firsthand knowledge. He's like he would say, "My life as a as Saul from Tarsus was letter letter of the law and devoid of the spirit," right? So right. When Paul became yes. born from yes, above, exactly. did he then abandon the Torah, the scriptures? No. How many times it says it is written, it is written, it is written. It's all about what is written. The, the word letter, it's only used to emphasize 
those Jewish religious leaders or sectarian groups that are taking, even the Samaritans, right? Taking uh, uh, the, the Torah of Moses and then making it fit their sectarian world. And then everything's from this legal uh, kind of judicial viewpoint that is devoid of the spirit. I mean, if you look at, for example, from Qumran, you know, the community rule, um, the Damascus document, right? And you look at the, look at just, look at the laws, the laws upon laws upon laws that were derived from the Torah, right? They kind of hang them on the Torah, but they also so uh, cite the book of Jubilees and they have other authorities. And they're, they're trying to say, this is what righteousness is. And, and all the time, it always leads down to, are you acceptable to our local leadership as right. being righteous? And there's a sharp thing of like, you're either part of us or you're out there in the world. And they have these levels of, of guarded kind of borders to, to protect the insiders from the outsiders. And it's all devoid and it gets into like in the, you know, the Matthew 15 or the Mark 7, you didn't wash your hands correctly. Right, exactly. Or the, how come you're not, how come those guys, those people are fasting, you're not fasting today? Right? This is the kind of thing. Like the guy going up, oh, you know, I thank you, God, that I'm not like that guy. But yet I fast twice a week, Right. It's like, this is letter. It doesn't mean that it's it, it's even coherent with the Torah. It just means that it's based on a legal kind of thought of that men can kind of twist and turn words to govern their life. And in doing so, they misrepresent God and they miss the core. Yeshua says, you, you, you strain the gnat, but you swallow a camel. That's letter. Right. They, they, so they so in let, their intricate legal care uh, attention to detail, the cam they end up eating camel for dinner, which is just as just as unkosher as the the little tiny gnat they're trying to get rid of. And, that, and there's evidence that even the the consumption of a gnat or a tiny bug didn't wasn't even a big deal because it was unavoidable. It's, it's not considered food. It was it's accidental. Whereas a camel, how could you not know you're eating a camel? So the point is, when Paul says letter, it seems like like in this guy's comment, like they're meaning, oh, that just means God's law. No, it means God's law devoid of the spirit, specifically in the first century era with all those different sects arguing about this or that. And all of them just really needed Yeshua. Okay, so I I, I got to jump in here because I think okay. that we have to read the rest of his comment because okay. th there's a lot of points that need to be made that that you're that attached to what you're saying. He says, "I believe the word that is Yeshua says we worship Him in spirit and truth." Amen. He says, "Circumcision is of the heart rather than the flesh." Agreed. He check this out though. Paul says that about who? Abraham that he believed God, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And then he went and got circumcised. If it, if it has to do with spirit and circumcision is of the heart, which... Why did, yeah, why didn't Abraham say, you know, God, I'm, yeah, that's I'm, nice, you know, it's back to the mansion thing. I, that's <laughs> It looks great. You this do is, you. <laughs> this is what every guy would do, right? Well, okay, well, hey, you just said I have faith. You're going to wreck it to, to me as righteousness. That whole cutting that part of myself... Like, I'm just going to say I'm good. And he's right? like, I, I can see it. This is like a rabbinic kind of backstory. It's like Abraham says, come on, God, you know that in the future generations, people are yeah. going to be confused by this. Right, right. Can't I just stay as I am? Why do I have to change? Uh, what? Come uh, on. I change, I'm already hey, justified. I, I'm already uh, justified no, by no, faith. No, 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 why, no, no. Why, no, why no, are you asking I'm, me to change? I'm circumcised by the heart now because I have faith. So I don't yeah. need to go do that second part that you talked about with the whole thing down there. I'm gonna, I, I'm good on that now, right? No, that is not what Abraham said. Abraham said, "I'll do it," and he went and did it, and it's been that ever since. The fact is, is that circumcision has always been a matter of the heart, as the reference was already given by Rob, Deuteronomy 32, right? The that God circumcises the heart. 
does that mean that the people of Israel didn't have to circumcise on the seventh day? No, they still did. Why? Because, yes, we worship in spirit and truth, but that doesn't mean that everything physical doesn't matter anymore. Just because the marriage bed is actually a picture of the, of the relationship between God and his people doesn't mean that there's no more marriage bed anymore. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden marriage doesn't matter and I get to go out and, and sleep around all I want. That's not what it means. The physical still matters, but it means that there is something great in the spiritual that we worship in spirit and truth, that doesn't mean that the commands are done away with. It doesn't mean that circumcision is, is no longer required. What it means is that we worship in spirit and truth, and the Torah is spiritual. He says there, I think I'm going to add a couple words here to, uh, to smooth this out. There are many ways to say it, only one way, truth and the life. Emmanuel, Yeshua, Messiah, Hamashiach. Completely agree. We worship in spirit and truth. That's all there is to it. But that does not mean that there's nothing left to the physical aspect of the Torah. And to say so negates the Torah itself throughout history because Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. He is the model of salvation by faith. He is the model of worshiping in spirit and truth. And he's used in the book that you're quoting, which is Galatians, right? Paul uses him in that book as the model of salvation by faith. These dots are not being connected by, by people. It's like I've been taught this whole time that to, to, to worship in spirit and truth means I don't have to do anything physical anymore. Nonsense. What are you talking about? Nobody in the church believes that. Nobody. Nobody. There are still, there's still obviously a physical realm to this world. And we still have to, I can't just take a hatchet and go, you know, bludgeon someone to death and kill them because it's what I feel like doing today. No, that command is still physical, even though we worship in spirit and truth. It's an asinine idea that all of a sudden the, the Torah is done away with because we worship in spirit and truth. What are you talking about? So What? Yes, we, we worship in spirit and truth. Come on. This is, I, I, this is such a ridiculous argument. I just don't understand how people can even uh, posit this argument and read the scriptures and say, yeah, all that's done away with. And really what they're saying is there's only four things that are done away with. Once again, this, this point needs to continue to be made. And I know I've made it a bunch of times today, but you, you, you are not saying that the Torah is done away with because now you, you uh, worship in spirit and truth. What you're saying is that there's four commands that you have been taught and told are no longer relevant to you because you're a believer, even though the scripture says the Gentiles will keep them in the, when, when the Messiah comes. And yet, right now, you don't feel like it. There's a great comment here in the, in the uh, chat room. And it was, uh, Paul says this, he says, the real question is if you knew that obeying Torah was desired by God for believers, would you be willing to obey? Again, if you knew it was desired by God, I think this is a bitter pill to swallow. This, this shined forth uh, to me. Now we've talked a lot about Christmas on this show and, and whether or not, you know, we, there's mixed views all around. Um, I have been swayed somewhat to a little bit of the view of, okay, I don't think that everything everything that everybody's saying is pagan is actually pagan. I don't, I don't think that everything about Christmas is pagan. Now, could there be some pagan influence? Absolutely, I think that is the case. Not the point. This this goes back to when, when uh, we were saying, we're not going to celebrate Christmas, and there was a, a, a couple that uh, came along, and he was on board. He said, yeah, I'm not going to celebrate Christmas either. And the wife said, I have to celebrate Christmas. I love it. I'm not giving it up. And he said to her, this was, this was a big deal, by the way. He said to her, what if God is telling you, is telling us that we, he doesn't want us to celebrate Christmas. Now take away everything that you believe about Christmas. You could insert anything here. What if God is telling us that we can't eat bacon anymore? What if God is telling us that we should be celebrating this festival? Whatever. Her, her response was, I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could give it up. This is a relationship ish issue. Ooh. This is not, this is not, at this point, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what is being said. It's a relationship issue. 
If there's anything in your life that you think to yourself, God told me I can't do this anymore, Bela, I don't want that it. That hits deep, man. That reminds me of the, uh, you know, it says the rich young lawyer or whatever comes to Yeshua and says, hey, good teacher, you know, what do I do? To, you know, they have the back and forth. And finally he walks away because he's like, well, sorry. Can't do it. You, yeah. you had me and you, you had me until sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. Uh, you had me up to there. Sorry, I'm out of here. That's like, wow. It just feels like a punch in the gut. I'm like, now, I, I totally agree that there, there are people who just simply think, well, I don't have to do these things anymore. I've been taught that. I believe that. I, and by the way, that's I have, fine. That's, I, I'm not mad about that. You know, I, have, I mean, that's, yeah. that, it, I have all, really well, good many friends of us come from that kind of situation. I have really good friends and really good believer friends who not only encourage me on a weekly and a daily basis right now, um, but are just model believers and truly love God, but they are not convinced they, you know, there was just last week, one of my close, close friends was talking to another one of my very close friends. And he said, well, you know, and uh, then, then Jesus did away with all that, you know, and, and now we don't have to do that anymore. And I didn't say anything at that point because I thought this is not the time or the place to get into a theological argument because it really was not. But uh, it just reminded me, okay, well, I have friends that, that don't believe the same as me. That's one thing. But, when, but if you think about it, if God, is, if God told you, I want you to stop eating this food, pork is out, no more, no more ba breakfast bacon, would you be willing to do that? If the answer is no, you got to check your heart, right? <laughs> check. There's check other your problems. Heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a relationship issue. That's not, that doesn't have to do with the Torah. You can try to weasel your way out of that all you want. Now go read Isaiah 56. And really start to check, check and see, is this, is God telling us that we should be doing this as Gentiles? The answer is yes. And love is bigger, nails at home. Main point, if we are his, we will obey, period. Absolutely. All right. You know, um, I, I can't believe I'm going to do this. I think we're going to cut it short by three minutes today. It's actually six minutes, but whatever. Um, and the reason why is because I think getting into... Um, actually, you know what? I can read this in less than six minutes. This is on John, 1 John 5, 15 through 17. This is where uh, John is talking about the, uh, the, 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 uh, the commands that learn uh, the sin that leads to death. What is the sin that leads to death is the main question here. This is from my father in his Johannine uh, uh, commentary. This is page 303. And you can go uh, with coupon code for the next week. For the next seven days, MM July, all lowercase, will get you 15% off this book. This is what he says. He says, the larger question is this. What does John mean by there is a sin leading to death? Literally, there is a sin to death. As noted above, the idea that by death, John is uh, referring to capital punishment seems contrary to the context. For it hardly seems likely that John would be exhorting his readers not to intercede in prayer for someone who had committed a capital offense. Rather... When John speaks of death, quote-unquote death, in these verses, it seems quite certain that he is referring to eternal death. That is, the penalty given to those who die as unbelievers. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. It may well be that John has taken his cue from the gospel texts and the words of Yeshua regarding those who have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, who consequently will therefore not be forgiven, and has used this as parallel with those who have openly denied Yeshua and continue to persist in their unbelief. For surely, failure to accept Yeshua by faith as the only Savior of sinners is likewise to be assured of eternal death. Boom. There you go. That's the answer. Now, I would encourage you to get the book. It's fantastic. That is uh, one paragraph out of, I think, four pages that he writes uh, on what that means. So I, I, think, I think it's worth the read. All right. That's going to do it for us today. It's been uh, fun. It's been real. Uh, I would encourage you to send us email, chegatorresource.com, C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. You can also call our comment line, 253-465-3205. Thank you to everybody who's in the chat room today. We do appreciate it. And, uh, oh, I have not said this once today, so I'm going to say it right now. Do not forget to subscribe to this YouTube channel. I know it sounds weird, but it does help us. It really does. 
We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing. That is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Well, you know why. Because Messiah matters. Thank you.